how many of you out there are listening versus waiting to talk? I would argue that most people are, aren't listening, they're waiting to talk. And if you're waiting to talk, if you're thinking about what you're going to say next, you can't possibly be listening and you can't possibly be truly listening for meaning, listening for understanding. And that's where you can really get to the heart of connecting with other people. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Grace for Impact. On today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to my friend and New York Times bestselling author, Dave Kirpin. Dave is the founder and CEO of Likeable Local and the former CEO and chairman of Likeable Media. He's a New York Times bestselling author of the books Likeable Social Media, Likeable Business, and Likeable Leadership. One thing we know for sure about Dave is that he loves the color orange. He wears a lot of it, and you'll see it all over their branding. And when Dave's not working or speaking or writing, you're going to see him hanging out with his wife and three kids. Dave and I chat about a lot of things on this episode, but mostly we talk about his new book, The Art of People, 11 Simple People Skills that will get you everything you want. How's that sound? Bust out your pen and paper, take a lot of notes, and brace for impact as we dive in with Dave Kirpin. So thanks for you, your time tonight. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Our focus is really on interviewing authors, innovators, game changers, but going beyond success and failure, beyond their product, service, and platform to talk about uh, what really drives them to do what they do at their core, which is uh, ultimately uh, the impact that they are going to have through their product, service, or platform. But we, before we get into the, you know, the 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 meat of our conversation, which is about your latest book, The Art of People, which I'm super pumped about to to talk about because it's such an interesting concept. I always uh, start with a question that's kind of fun and gives us a little insight into. Uh, you know, one's outlook. And that is, if you could pick any superpower, what would it be and how would you use it? Sure. So I think um, I would choose, if I could choose any superpower, I would choose the ability to read people's minds and I would use it to know exactly what people were thinking at all times. You know, that that is a, that is a really good uh, superpower to have, especially, uh, <laughs> you know, in it perfectly aligns with the art of people because you know, if if you did have the uh, the ability, the superpower to read people's minds, you wouldn't necessarily have had to uh, write the book. So maybe you don't want to have that. You, you can reserve that power for yourself, but everybody else uh, needs to go buy the book and exactly, figure out how they exactly. Do. <laughs> I'll take that power for myself, and everyone else can get that power by buying the art of people. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we do have the ability though to maybe read people's minds in a little bit of a different way. Not in the sense that we can actually read their minds, but we can oftentimes read their minds through how they're communicating through their body language. Because a lot of times people's body language 
kind of betrays what they're thinking, right? Have you ever experienced that? That's right. Yeah, and I and I write about that in the art of people about you know using every cue possible to to read people and understand people. So what they're saying, of course, but really how they're saying it and and their body language can tell you a lot about a situation. Well, let's stay on that for a minute because I think that uh, you know listeners can take your superpower and and what we're talking about right now, and they can apply the essence of that superpower in their personal and professional lives. So how would they go about doing that? Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, with practice, you can get better and better at, at reading people and understanding people. And, um, and that's really one of the key uh, theses that I make in, in the art of people, and you know, that if you want to get what you want, you need to be able to understand people and, you know, by spending time with people and by getting better at, uh, at reading people, you, you can do just that. That is, uh, Critical wisdom, and uh, and I look. We, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we dive into uh, the book a little deeper. You know, I've been kind of following you, if you will, you know, keeping keeping up on you uh, from afar since your quote unquote sponsored wedding back in 2006. I thought it was just such an interesting thing, um, and I'd love to talk a minute about that because I don't think anybody has done that before or since. And when we when we get to that. I, I, I'd like to kind of figure out some of the lessons that you've learned from that. But before we get there, why are you an entrepreneur? Was, was there an impact moment that kind of launched you on this path? Well, I think I, ironically, it was probably the wedding actually that got us thinking that we could build businesses. Um, okay. But I've always really appreciated and and I think I, or I guess I've had some entrepreneurial thinking. And you know what I try to teach my kids now is just to think like an entrepreneur, to think about solving problems creatively. And, you know, if you can figure out how to do that, you can probably solve other people's problems and 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 build a business doing that. And was that something that you, you kind of saw that opportunity when you guys were doing your wedding? You saw, okay, there's a, we have a creative way of maybe helping people achieve uh, big things. And that was the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the wedding we, we really um, had in order to have a big, big wedding um, and be able to afford it. But afterwards, we just got so much media out of the event. I mean, literally uh, ABC, CBS, New York Times, CNBC, thousands of blogs. And our wedding vendors, which were our sponsors, were just so happy with all of the, all of the press. They they said, you know, this is awesome. What, what can you guys do next? And as the story goes, we couldn't get married again, but we uh, could start a company instead. So we did. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, how did that idea come about? And I mean, wh- what steps did you take to execute it? And I'm sure you learned some lessons that every entrepreneur can apply from that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, my my wife had been married before, and she had had more of a traditional wedding, and you know, spent a, a good amount of money on it, and you know, uh, realized that you know she she didn't want to spend a lot of money on a wedding. We couldn't really afford to spend a lot of money on a wedding, but I wanted to have a really big one um, and, you know, have a wedding. Because this was your first and final. My first and final, absolutely. And, and and you know, I'm, I'm, I do think, I like doing things big, right? With the social media and the, uh, the reality TV and, you know, everything I do, I like to try and kind of do big. So, you know, we wanted to have this big wedding, but, you know, 
couldn't afford it. So we had this idea. It was really mostly my wife's idea, frankly. Uh, she's the smart one in the group and the better looking one. And she <laughs> uh, had this idea to get married at a baseball game at the end of a game and to create a whole promotion around it. So, um, of course, I thought the idea was quite brilliant. And we pitched the Brooklyn Cyclones because we needed a, a team to to um, to host this. And uh, couldn't get the Mets, huh? Well, we, we could have gone to the Mets, but but in all honesty, we were thinking that uh, minor league would be kind of easier to manage um, sure, and, sure. and, and kind of own um, and frankly, make it about us instead of about the team. And that would be you know a lot harder to do with a major league game. So, yeah, we pitched the Cyclones. They're a Mets affiliate, of course, so that worked out well. And I remember uh, really well, Steve Cohen, the general manager, said something to the effect of, you know, this is really crazy. Um, but I actually think you guys might be able to pull it off. And and we sold him. And, you know, I'm a really big fan of sales. I think that sales is pretty much in everything we do, certainly in entrepreneurship. Uh, you've got to sell ideas and sell sell yourself, sell, sell your vision all the time. And um, so he gave us a shot. And from there, it was about selling the sponsors in. Um, we had a relationship with 1-800-Flowers.com. We had done some business with them before. Uh, in in radio sales where we both worked before and we called them up and pitched them to sponsor the flowers and then Smirnoff to sponsor the alcohol and then our you know our, we just kind of started landing the sponsors and then you know fortunately for us it it took off once we started getting some press and we got to the point where sponsors were actually calling us which was a pretty sweet uh it was a pretty sweet thing but you know I think some of the lessons learned I mean we it, it you know, certainly think big and think out of the box, right? If we hadn't thought out of the box, we never would have, you know, been able to pull something like this off. Um, hustle, uh, take advantage of relationships that you've built, you know, like we, 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 um, both my wife and I are blessed by focusing on building relationships over time with people so that when we do need things, you know, we can call up, call up and say, Hey, I have this crazy idea. You want to sponsor my wedding? And, you know, pretty much, most of the people we talked to said yes. So so I think that was a testament to the hard work over many years of building up those relationships. Um, and, you know, if um, if you dream it, it, it can happen if you if you work hard at it. Yeah, no, I, you know, the the thing that uh, there's two things there that I think uh, are really critical for for entrepreneurs to to take away and I think will have a big impact on them. And the, the first thing that you said is that we're we're always selling and I'm a huge believer in that too whether you're actually in a sales role or you're trying to get your kids to eat their broccoli you know we're we're always selling i mean our kids are selling us all the time too by the way right how did you go about like selling the vision i mean what did you what did you say to the general manager of the of the of the cyclones to get him to do that i mean they they was it just simply that it was such a a crazy idea that they that they figured that any coverage they got as an, from the media as an ancillary benefit and it's all gravy. I mean, was that kind of like the, the value? Pro- I mean, what was the value proposition? Yeah. There? Yeah. The value prop was media. It was also, um, doing something different. It was also attracting some brands that wouldn't, you know, national brands that wouldn't nor- normally necessarily sponsor a, a game at, at Brooklyn Cyclones. Um, and, and frankly, it was ticket sales. I mean, we, we said, oh, okay, we said, we, we, we believe you will really be able to sell out this game knowing that fans are not just paying for a baseball game, but a wedding at the end and a pretty unique event. Oh and my gosh. It, it, you know, it did sell out. It was a huge success. So 
How many how many people did you have at your wedding? So the game sold out it was about eight thousand. Um, by the end of the wedding, it was probably more like six. I mean, you know, the game game went a little long. It was, uh, you know, not everyone did stay for the wedding. But uh, oh man, two thousand people left. Those are they're losers. Exactly. I mean, what are they <laughs> thinking? But um, they missed out. It was still it was pretty amazing. I mean, my um, it's a while ago now, but. You know, I, I remember my grandma was in the crowd, you know, and we happen to be Jewish. And, you know, so there's a rabbi at home plate and my grandma is kind of like talking to non-Jewish people about what the heck is going on out there. And you know, just to <laughs> think about the fact that I was able to share um, something so amazing and uh, incredible, meaningful for me with so many people uh, was uh, really cool. That's fantastic. I mean, 6,000 people, that has to be close to a Guinness record too, right? I mean, did you guys ever look? I don't know. I think there's some celebrity weddings where a lot, a lot of people are there, but uh, it's a good, it's a good question. Fascinating. You know, let's talk about your newest book, The Art of People, 11 Simple People Skills That Will Get You Everything You Want. I'd love for you to tell us the story about how you developed the core concepts behind this book. You're, you are a prolific author, you're a New York Times bestseller. So, you know, what was, what was kind of the motivation? What, what, when you are when you're sitting at your computer screen and typing this book up and you're envisioning the reader what did what did you want them to take away uh, when they're done reading this book. Yeah. Well, so it was a really interesting journey because my, my first book was called Likeable Social Media and uh, it was uh, you know it was a book about how to manage a social media presence um, if you're a business or small brand and it talked about concepts like listening and authenticity and transparency and providing value for others first. And I realized as I was writing that book that those concepts didn't just apply to social media, they applied to business in general. And so I wrote Likeable Business afterwards and sort of applied some of the same concepts. And there again, after doing Likeable Business, I realized that these concepts don't just apply to social media or even business. These are like life concepts. And Mm -hmm. Pretty much everything you do in life, everything you get in life is the result of your interactions with other people and people wanting to help you and pe or not, or and people wanting to be there for you or not. And so, you know, what the art of people is all about is how can you live your life in a way that is going to, you know, make people want to do things for you and and position yourself to be the one that people think about when they when they want to, you know, uh, help someone or return a favor or, um, you know, you're you're the one there that they notice because of you know how how you're how you how you've acted. So that's that. You know, it's 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 my broadest book yet. I'm really excited about that. It's really scary, of course, to do a, a book that's so broad because you know there's a lot of expectations, but, um, I really think, you know, so far the feedback has been really great and it's, it's everyone from business people to stay at home moms to students that are, are reading it and, and, and so far getting something out of it. So that that's, that's pretty, uh, meaningful for me. Absolutely. I think that, uh, I'm, I'm in the, in the process of reading the book right now. And, and I think that it's a really, uh, tremendous, uh, opportunity and effort by you to really change the way and impact the way people think about how they relate with people in the, in this busy world where people are always trying to get something from us as opposed to giving something, you know, like that there's that whole give receive kind of trade-off, but instead it's just take, take, take. 
And so this is a very interesting book that I think in a, in a really cool way addresses some of that. Sure, sure. Thanks. Well, you know, uh, look, one of my favorite books of all time is one of the best-selling books of all time. It's a, it's a little book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I was just going to mention that. By Dale Carnegie. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, it's changed a lot, a lot of lives, including mine. Um, the only thing is the book was written almost 100 years ago, and a few things have changed in the way that we uh, communicate in the last 100 years or so, um, you know, things like the internet and social media, for instance. So I thought that it was a good opportunity, a good time to kind of take some of the same concepts, add my own spin and add my own, uh, the own, my, you know, the context of today's world. You know, I, I, I was... Before you even said that, I was thinking about that book and how how this book is is the how to win friends and influence people of our time. Uh, I because uh, the the principles of that book um, are are solid, and the principles of this book are are super solid as well. And you know they they just require thoughtfulness, you know, to to implement and execute. And I think that a book like this empowers the readers to pause and think constructively and critically about how they're relating with their their colleagues and and others you know their their family whatever their kids whatever you know and my wife and I were just at lunch um, today and talking about the circus that is the presidential primary right now yes uh, and I had I actually just read an article that you wrote on market watch uh, that was really cool. Um, about you know you pl- applying this book uh, to the presidential primary race, and so what is the one quality that the presidential candidates need in order to win the election? And maybe you can break it down into the different um, assessment categories too. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I think the most important um, quality in order to get elected. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could say leadership, of course, but that's pretty, that's, that's kind of too broad. I, I would say it's, it's, it's authenticity. And, you know, I think that if you look at why candidates like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders on kind of kind of both ends of the spectrum are doing so well, it's because of their really, um, powerful way of, 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 of appearing authentic to, to voters. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, neither candidate is would be considered a kind of traditional candidate by any means, but they've both really done well. And frankly, Hillary, who is, you know, arguably the the, the most uh, qualified candidate in history, um, has struggled a little bit uh, because of her perceived lack of authenticity. And I think that's uh, if, if if Hillary is going to win, she's going to have to to work on that her ability to better connect to voters by by being and appearing more authentic. It's it's a hard one. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and you and you talk about in that article, you talk about the importance of people skills, and you you break each candidate down into the these different categories like people connector, uh, and so like Bernie Sanders falls under the people connector thing. I I, I fall under the people connector thing, which was interesting. Nice, you and Bernie, uh, <laughs> me and Bernie, although. You know, it'd be it'd be interesting to have a conversation with Bernie. I prefer uh, Larry David's impersonation of Bernie, though it's it's really hilarious. Larry David and Jimmy Fallon. Have you ever seen those two together with their uh, their Donald Trump and uh, Bernie Sanders <laughs> impersonations? It's really 
it's really great that you have you've you've taken this book and you've kind of parlayed it into this assessment that people can take and it and I did it and it takes uh, not long um, and it identifies key characteristics where where they're strong and also kind of areas that they might need to improve in. So how did you guys come up with those concepts and and categories? Yeah, so we took. Uh, so first of all, this uh, it's a it's a free quiz. You don't even need to buy the book to take it, and it's available at artofpeoplequiz.com. Um, and it's already been taken thousands of times and validated across thousands of people. Um, you know, we we looked at all of the core concepts of the book and developed um, six different uh, people personas based on a variety of different uh, categories, and and that's how we we came up with the uh, with the quiz. Um, and, and in addition to the quiz, I've got, uh, and I'm not sure if you've taken it yet, but I've got an assessment, an age centuries old personality assessment that actually is far more reliable than uh, the more famous uh, Myers-Briggs and DISC oh, assessment wow. called the Enneagram. Um, and the Enneagram is um, is uh, really gets to what your um, intrinsic motivation is in life. And there's nine different categories. And I, I have found it to be just remarkably helpful in um, how I manage others and communicate with others and how they can best communicate with me as well. That's interesting. Is that something that um, people can get through the art of people or is that a separate product? Yeah, no, you can definitely get that through the art of people. Um, uh, Again, just in the spirit of like uh, transparency, I mean, you can, you, you, there are free tests available online as well. Um, So, you know, it's in the book, uh, but if you want, you can just Google Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, and you could probably find a free assessment somewhere. And uh, it's, it's really, it's really great stuff. I love taking stuff like that. Um, I uh, I recently took um, and I've I've taken it a few different times, but the the Colby profile. Have you ever heard of the Colby index? No, I actually don't. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, K O L B E. Just you know, it talks about your work mode and your modus operandi, and it's really fascinating because it it really it helps you again learn how your team uh, reacts to information, likes to receive information. It can have a really big impact on on people like you're, you're probably what you probably fall into the quick start category in the Colby index. So I fall into the, into the quick start category. I have big ideas. I, I just go for it. And, um, but I, I lack a little bit in the follow through. So I need somebody behind me to help me follow through, you know, that where that's their key strength. And so it's really interesting, um, to go through that profile and, uh, and, find out what your modus operandi is and what your team's uh, profile is. It's very fascinating. I strongly encourage uh, organizations to do that. We'll, we'll link to it in the, in the book as well. Another one that um, I'm getting ready to take because my wife is finishing reading the book right now. Uh, and then I'm going to read it is strength finders. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. Sure. Have you heard of Sure. Yeah. I know yeah. strength finders. And you know, I make an argument in the book that uh, it doesn't, it, it, as much as I love, you know, the Enneagram and my art of people uh, quiz, um, 
you know, the important thing isn't actually the individual assessment. It's the fact that you're focused on understanding yourself a little bit better. So many people kind of jump into like wanting to figure other people out and kind of just get what they want. Whereas, you know, my argument is work on yourself first, figure yourself out first, you know, and then, then you can figure out others. And so it's important to, to do, to, to do that work or whatever assessments you take. Yeah, no, I, I think that one of the challenges that people face when they there's, you know, assessments galore. And a lot of times they just take these assessments and then they buy a coffee mug that has their four characteristics on it and then never think about it again, you know? And so I think that what you, the advice that you just gave to approach the, these assessments with the uh, mindset of understanding yourself better and so that you can create bigger impact in your own life and the lives of others is sage advice. So thanks for sharing that. Um, my listeners, they're focused on, on really how they can impact others through their product, service, and platform. And I know that your book is going to be really helpful to them. Uh, what, let's say they're in a, in, in a big meeting. They're, they're getting ready to pitch a, for some funding. They're, they're, uh, they're sitting across the table from their dream client What's the most important question they should ask in order to stand out? And what should they do to stay top of mind with their colleagues or customers? Cool. So, you know, I um, I tell the story in The Art of People about Michael Kislin, who was one of just literally hundreds of salespeople that reach out to book my my time every week you know, from commercial real estate agents to financial planners to insurance people, um, you know, I get hit up as so many of us do uh, all the time. And, you know, for some reason he got my attention. He said he just wanted 15 minutes with me and he just wanted to ask me one question and he promised he wouldn't sell me. I said, all right, you know what? Fine. Come in 15 minutes, whatever. Um, and he came in and, um, he said, you know, I'm just here to ask you how I can help you. And I said, what do you mean? Like what, how you can help me with what, whatever it is you have to sell me. He's like, no, no, no. Like, tell me what you're focused on right now and and how can I help you with it? So I said, all right, I'll give this a shot. I said, I'm raising money for my new software startup and, you know, you can introduce me to VCs. He said, okay, great. Um, I'll work on that. And then, um, and then I said, well, all right, so what are you, what are you like really here for? What, you know, what's your spiel? And he said, no, I'm not going to even go there at all. That's not why I came in. And so I'm not going to go there. And I was just shocked by that. I, I found it so amazing that, you know, not all, I mean, a lot of people say, how, how can I help you? But like, he really meant it. And of course, he followed up by making those VC introductions, which was pretty awesome. Um, and then, you know, several months later, when I when I kind of had a bit of a need, I called him up. I said, you know what? I, I need a financial planner and I'd love for you to be the guy. And he won my business, not by selling me at all, but by really asking, how can I help you? And and then being being authentically um, there to actually, you know, follow through. So that's my question. Uh, how can I help you? And you have to ask it really with sincerity. And the sec- your second question was, how do you stay top of mind? And that's where I think social media can be so awesome because, you know, it used to be the way that you'd try to stay top of mind with people in business would be to like send them postcards or, you know, call them once every few months. Well, now we have this awesome thing called social media that allows you to stay top of mind 
all the time just by sharing content that other people find valuable. So, you know, if you can share content on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, I think especially um, that just people like, like literally and figuratively, right, then you're going to stay literally at the top of people's news feeds across those various social networks and therefore at the top of their mind. And when they have a need, they're going to call you instead of, you know, kind of hounding them all the time. Yeah, I think that that is is really a challenge for entrepreneurs today to figure out. And it's super important. Social media is a really powerful tool if it's used in the right way. I think that I know that a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, and people in general just are constantly broadcasting. They don't understand the listening aspect of social media and the and the the value there. I feel anyway that people approach social media first as opposed to you know like reading the art of people or likable business and and then uh, you know going to social media or you know tr- they they go to social media before they've created a value that they can share with other people and I think that that's a really big challenge today because there's so much noise and clutter on on the social media channels especially channels like like Twitter yeah so 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 much noise and yeah that's I mean, that's the biggest kind of premise of my first book, Likeable Social Media. And, you know, unfortunately, that book is from uh, five years ago now, but not a lot has changed. There's still a lot of noise. There's still a lot of people that are talking too much and listening not enough. So, you know, I think that it's really um, the good news is there's a huge opportunity for those that can embrace social media better. Um than, than the rest and and pay attention to what others are doing. And and I make the argument in, in uh, Art of People that that doesn't just make sense for social media, that, that makes sense for all the time. And if you can be the one to sit back and kind of listen and pay attention, um, you'll actually be better off. And, and so many entrepreneurs struggle with that because they have so many ideas and excitement and want to put all those ideas out into the universe. But in reality, the ones that win are the ones that hold back just a little bit and kind of pay attention to what others are saying too. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-275. 2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. So if I, if I recall from um, likable social media, some of the, and I might be getting likable social, likable business mixed up here, but some of the, the concepts are, are, uh, interchangeable to a certain degree, I would I would imagine. But like some of the core things that you need to think about when you're approaching social media are obviously authenticity. You've you've talked about that, right? Listening to what your your audience, your your community needs, as opposed to just pushing what you think they need. So how how can people do that? How can what are some quick tips that people can uh, execute immediately to 
change their social media strategy or thinking since that is uh, such an important way to stay in top on in front of people yeah i mean i would start by you know finding out what your keywords are like what what words people would use if they're talking about you or even better yet if they're, if they're talking about a problem that you solve so if you're a recruiting company look for the words we're hiring you'll find a lot of prospects that perhaps need your help and if you're an accountant look for the words you know need help with my taxes you'll find a lot of people that are asking for your help right now um, think about you know obviously do keyword searches on social media for your your own name your business name your competitors names but i think the real win comes where you can think about what words your customers would be using what words mm-hmm. your prospects would be using and start paying attention to that conversation as well yeah you you've got to think very critically about the content that you're going to create and how it's going to match up to to what your your potential customers or prospects are thinking and and your your buddy Michael that you were talking about earlier he he did that in a to a certain degree too in the way that how he approached you he knew that you were probably getting hit up every day by other dozens of people like himself and he needed something different to penetrate that that veil and and he took the Zig Ziglar approach which is you can have anything you want if you help another enough people get what they want you know exactly and you know a lot of people struggle with this they say well dave how can i help somebody that is more successful than i am or somebody uh you know wealthier more famous whatever it is and i say honestly you know we all have something to learn we all have something to teach and i promise you there are lots of ways that you can help various people i mean if you are under the age of 25 right now and you're listening right now you could call up just about any fortune 500 ceo or email them or reach out to them on linkedin whatever it is and say you know what i would love if i could have 10 minutes with you to teach you how to use snapchat and why snapchat is so important in communicating with people under the age of 25 i'll bet you anything you would land a meeting because there's a need there for them to understand this is a huge, huge revolution. It's changing faster than Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn changed five to 10 years ago. So it's not, you know, everyone out there has a way that they can add value to other people's lives. You just have to figure out, you know, what that is in, in this particular, you know, whatever particular example, you know, you need. So, you know, I, I actually just had an interview with um, Jordan Harbinger the other day. And, and we were talking about social media and we were talking about stuff like Snapchat and how it just, I just don't get it myself. I, I really just don't get it, you know? And, and personally, I would love it if somebody called me up and, and told me how, why, why it's so important. I, I mean, I see, I know Gary V is on it like crazy uh, and he's talking about it. Uh, but I just, I just don't get like how tapping through people's five second stories is going to like be a game changer for someone. Can you ma- educate me for yeah, two seconds? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, um, and I, and I, and I hope, you know, listeners will take, you know, you need some under 25 listeners to, to take you up in that challenge. But I mean, I think that it just represents a new way that people communicate with one another. Um, that's, um, that's actually more like the real world than other social networks where, 
if you say something, it doesn't last forever. Like in real life, if you say something, you say something and then it's gone. So why do we have these like perfectly manicured um, uh, feeds on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn where people have the perfect pose, the perfect mood, the perfect everything? It's That's not real life. And by the way, it lasts for hours or days. Real life is just random moments that people are goofing around and catching up and doing whatever. And that's what Snapchat's been able to capture that's been so powerful. And Interesting. Um, it's, it's uh, if you know, if you look at, you know, the way 12 year olds and, you know, 15 year olds and 21 year olds are communicating, it's, it's hours and hours and hours of Snapchat. So the fact that this has happened, um, you know, it, young people aren't always the uh, sign of things to come, but they certainly often are. And they certainly were with Facebook. So uh, if you think about the, the, the effect of Facebook on the world in the last 10 years um, and kind of, you know, and know that Snapchat turned down, you know, multi-billion dollar offer from Facebook. Um, I think the writing really is on the wall. Interesting. I, you know, I had never thought about it because I was thinking about the old school way where like, you know, the Instagram effect where everything is super perfect and and, you know, manicured, as you said, and Snapchat is the opposite of that. It's supposed to be random. And I think that that I think is, you know, the the key thing there for me, the key kind of light uh, that's switching on in my head, uh, so to speak, is that it doesn't need to be manicured and, and perfected and, you know, recorded and then uh, and then re-uploaded. It's it's real. It's the real deal. It's like a real life. Uh, it's a literally a snap into the real, you know, milliseconds of your life. And I think that, you know, now that I'm thinking about that, Gary V does that a lot. Of course, he's thoughtful with, you know, all of the tags and everything that, that he throws up there. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're on Snapchat. I am. I am. And, and I, what's your, what's your handle, your Snapchat handle or whatever. It's they call Kirpin. It. I mean, I'm, I'm easy. I find pretty much on all social media. I just have just my name. Um, yeah. And, and I think it takes some getting used to, I'm not, um, I'm not nearly as good at Snapchat as I am at the, the other social networks. And I'm used to the manicuring and not the, the goofy stuff and the sort of looking presentable. And there's a, there's kind of like, I think a, business for business people it seems a little scary to just put yourself out there in such a raw way but that's really what people respond to so it comes back to that authenticity and just just being yourself and living living your life uh the way you would normally yeah and no, i it's it's interesting cuz you have to promote snapchat like in a in a completely foreign way if you're if your only experience is facebook and and Twitter and, and you don't really, I don't even know how you see how many people are following you or whatever. So I am going to, I am going to put out the, the, uh, the challenge to have somebody, uh, who's a Snapchat genius educate me so that they can help me rock Snapchat. Cause right now I'm just using it for the masks with my kids. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, even, even, even that's a start. And the interesting thing about Snapchat, you know, I watch my daughter use it and she, you know, she uses it a lot more to communicate with her friends private than, you know, the whole, like, let me share something with the world. So you have to remember, and that's happening across all social networks to call it dark social or whatever. Like the, the reality is that that's how people communicate. So there's the, 
you know, there's the post that you see in your feed, but then there's also the, you know, the, um, hey, check this out in between a few friends or a few business colleagues. And that those posts are, are probably equally important, if not more important in building relationships with real people. Let's talk about an old marketing tactic that that I'm so tired of that it just like whenever I uh, think about it, it, it just I just get like, oh, you know, I don't really want to go do that. It's such a tired activity. And that is networking. OK, uh, you know, I, I'm it's like you can see it now. You're going to go to a networking event and you've got the hello, my name is sticker and you've got a stack of business cards and you're trying to, again, break through the noise and the clutter of everybody asking for something. So I'm intrigued by what you call is the most underrated key to networking. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. So, you know, I, I tell a story uh, in the book about a time that I, I really wanted to meet this uh, venture capitalist, Dave McClure. And I went to this entrepreneurship conference thinking I'll meet him there and get him to invest in my company there. And little did I realize that there was about 600 other people there, all kind of with the same idea of pitching Dave. And so I spent the whole day kind of wasting, uh, you know, wasting away, not with the opportunity to talk to him. And finally, it was 530 and it was, you know, the end of the day, cocktail hour. And I was kind of bummed out and I was looking at my phone and all of a sudden I heard, I hear, I need to meet the man wearing those mother effing shoes. And, <laughs> and there's Dave and, you know, he had sought me out in a crowd where literally hundreds of people were looking to uh, to meet him. And it was because I was wearing these really bright orange shoes uh, that I wear every day. And uh, he ended up introducing me to a colleague and 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 they ended up investing several hundred thousand dollars in, in our company. And obviously, I'm not here to say that if you wear orange shoes, you will get hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, nor am I saying that everyone should wear orange shoes. But I happen to, you know, I have 33 pairs now and I wear a different pair of, of orange shoes every day. And my my point is when you're networking, especially at bigger events, um, build your own personal brand, put your own distinction on your outfit, whether it's shoes or a hat or a necklace or earrings or a scarf or a handkerchief or a tie or a bag. What can you do that 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 makes yourself stand out a little bit and, and helps brand you over time, right? I, I never had any fashion sense or style. And now I still don't really have any fashion sense or style, but I have a thing that makes me unique. And it's, it's, it's those orange shoes and people have come to expect that. And I can't tell you how many times people literally just walk up to me on the street or on the train or at, certainly at all networking events. Um, and, and, and it's a conversation starter. And that's pretty cool, especially for introverts that aren't as used to like walking up to people and starting conversations to actually have people walk up to you and start conversations based on, you know, your signature item. Well, this begs the question, which came first, the, the Mets or the orange shoes? It's a good question. Uh, the, the Mets came first and my love of the Mets came first, but you know, briefly the story of the orange was uh, originally the likable, you know, we have a couple of companies and our first company, likable media had uh, a blue, thumb as our logo and we took a look at it and we we're like you know what this is a little bit too facebook blue so one of our designers said what if we changed it to uh the complementary color of orange which 
of course happens to be the Mets compliment, you know, the Mets other color as well. And uh, I took a look at it and it was like love at first sight. And I just, I fell in love with orange and, uh, you know, I've done some research on it since. And it really is, the data does really show that orange is the most positive persuasive color. So there really is a lot behind my, my, my obsession with slash love for orange. Um, but it's not for everyone. You know, maybe your thing is, 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 is purple bow ties, or maybe it's, you know, yellow handkerchiefs or whatever it is. I think, um, it's about what works for you. I like the, I like orange too, cause I'm a San Francisco giants fan. So I'm, I'm good with the orange, but I, I really don't know what, you know, my quote unquote color is. And it, it's interesting that you talk about that because the, the, I think it's really important to yes, build your personal brand, but what you've done is something that's really authentic. It's true to kind of the core of who you are. And it, it when you saw that you're like, yes, you know, like you knew it and you didn't have to try it. You didn't have to try hard at it. You know, I think that there are a lot of people out there that try to create their own personal brands where they have to try and and work really hard at it. And it doesn't seem authentic or real. So how can people navigate that, you know, murky water? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question. I, I don't think I've ever been asked that. So what I would what I would say is ask other people what, what what's what's working. Ask people that you can trust. Ask people that aren't going to tell you, you know, just yes you to death. Um, probably one of my favorite chapters in the book is about creating your own advisory board and building a group of people that you can go to on a regular basis to help you out with certain things in your life. And this is a perfect example of like, you know. The kind of question that you could ask to mentors, advisors, uh, to get some real feedback that's valuable. Yeah, and that makes sense. So, what is the single most important takeaway that you want readers to take to get from reading the Art of People? Yeah, wow, it's a tough question because um, you know I divided the book into fifty-three short chapters. So I'd like to think really one of the big strengths of the book is how many different takeaways there are. But probably the number one thread, we've talked about a little bit, uh, the number one thread is the power of listening and really listening better than you do today. I mean, we all know what listening is. Um, We all know what it means to listen, but how many of us are really truly listening and how many of us know that we could be better listeners? Um, Let me ask you this. How many of you out there are listening versus waiting to talk. Um, I would argue that most people are, aren't listening, they're waiting to talk. And if you're waiting to talk, if you're thinking about what you're going to say next, you can't possibly be listening and you can't possibly be truly listening for meaning, listening for understanding. And that's where you can really get to the heart of connecting with other people. People want to be heard and they and they want to be listened to. And it really takes a lot of self-discipline to develop that strength to sit there and listen and only think about what the other person is saying and and hold on, you know, thinking about your question. A lot of people are uncomfortable with silence. And I think that it's okay for when you're having a conversation to actively listen to the person who is speaking. And then when they're done, pause, think about your, what you want to say for two seconds, because your brain's going to work pretty fast and then say, wait, and now I'm saying all this and my wife can tell you that, um, this is probably the area where I need the most work is because I'm always trying to 
think about what I'm going to say next. So, you know, I think that it's a discipline that we all can develop just like any other muscle and just like any other discipline. Once we've gained the strength, it's, it's going to allow us to be more free in other areas in our life. Exactly. And I, I love what you said about using it as a muscle, right? A lot of people ask me, you know, aren't some people just born with people skills and some people aren't? And I, I, I think that to a certain extent, yeah, some people have more natural organic ability with other people, but it's like anything else. It's like a, it's a, it's a muscle. And the more you practice it, the better you're going to get, right? I mean, I'm not a good painter, but if I practice painting for 30 minutes a day, and just really concentrated on becoming a better painter, I would become a better painter after a while. I mean, that practice get, makes us all better. So if you want to become a better listener, if you want to become better at any people's skills, it's it's really a matter of intention and practice. Intention is key, is a key word there. And also you can ask people, I mean, you might think that you're a great listener and that you have no problem uh, being an active listener, but I guarantee you, if you ask you, your spouse, your best friend, your colleague, hey, do, how, do I listen? Do I listen good? Do you feel like I listen to you when you talk to me? Probably ninety percent chance they're going to say, yeah, not all the time. You know, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just think you know we could all become better listeners. There's no, no, there's definitely no one listening uh, that couldn't that couldn't become a better listener. It really requires intention, as you said. I'm just thinking about my kids and how I communicate with them. Because I, you know, they're telling me stuff throughout the day, and I'm thinking about you know um, what we're having for dinner, or you know what what I got to do tomorrow, and they're telling me about something important that that happened in their day, and this is a moment that that you'll never have again. And so I've started with them when they talk to me. I've started getting down on my knees at their level, so that. I'm I'm like literally and figuratively uh, present to them at their same level, and that that's a that's a a challenge. It's it's hard to to do that. Um, I mean, it it takes effort to do that instead of just standing there. And and it gives them this amazing freedom. I've had very meaningful conversations with my kids since I've started doing that. So, I that's a tip from me to you, Dave, and to everybody else. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I hadn't uh, thought of that, but I think it's really cool. You have a great family. You have a great personal and professional life, and, and a lot of success ahead of you. But how will Dave Kirpin measure his life? And I, I got this this question from a book written by Clay Christensen, who that's the title of his book. How will you measure your life? And uh, so I've been asking it of of all of my guests because I really want to know about the impact that they want to have in the world. So how will Dave Kirpin measure his life? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I will measure it. I love that word impact. I will measure it by the impact that I have on others, the impact that I have on my family and the impact that I'm able to have on others and through through my businesses and my books and my speaking and um uh, everything else that's to come. What are you most excited about uh, relative to your business? You know, like in in the next twelve months. I love that you asked that. By the way, that's one of the questions that I recommend asking to better get to know people. Uh, and I think chapter two, chapter two or three. Um, I am most excited about uh, scaling this business likable local that we've started, uh, helping small businesses automate their social media. Um, you know, we've really finally 
gotten a team together that can help me scale. And uh, so we've got thousands of customers and looking to you know continue to grow month over month. So it's really exciting. That is exciting, and I think you're 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 rolling this thing out at a perfect time because I, I as we've talked about, social media is is just super crowded right now, and you've got to have a a clear strategy and a team to get behind you. And the rate of return that you're going to get listeners by trying to manage your your social media by yourself is super small relative to the rate of return you're going to get by having a team of professionals doing it so that you can go and do what you do best. Right? Wouldn't you say, Dave? That's, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> uh, we'll link to to this uh, everything that we talked about in the show in the show notes. But how can our subscribers help you, and uh, how can they get your book and interact with you? Cool. Well, it's hard to say how they can help me. I, w- I will say this: the number one driver of uh, success for book is Amazon uh, reviews. So if you happen to get the book um, and you uh, leave a review, that's that's literally the number one way that you can help me. Leave an honest Amazon review, hopefully a good one, but but most important, an honest one. Um, you can get the book on Amazon bookstores everywhere. I do have a money back guarantee. If you get the book and you don't like it, it doesn't, you don't find it valuable, just simply tweet me or email me Find me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very easy to find on every social network. Let me know, and I will gladly send you a check uh, for the entire cost of of the book. Um, it's my own personal money back guarantee. I don't know that that's ever been done before. I was just going to say I've never ever heard of that. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's been done before, but I, I honestly figured why not? I mean, I do feel confident about the book, and you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? I spend a few bucks on you know a few people that really don't like it. So hopefully uh, people will feel free to take me up on that offer. And, you know, the other, we didn't talk a lot about responsiveness, but it's one of my core values and I remain responsive to literally everyone uh, that reaches out. So if anyone has questions, comments, complaints, compliments, anything, um, you can reach me. Um, I'm really easy to find with my name, Dave Kirpin, on every social network that you can imagine. And you can even really go old school and email me, Dave, at uh, likable.com. That's fantastic. You're truly living uh, your core values, your living example. And I really appreciate that because as we've talked about, it, it is a rare authenticity and transparency are two rare gifts in today's society. Any Final words of wisdom for our listeners. Brace for impact. Boom. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Dave, for uh, for being a guest on the Impact on Entrepreneur Show. This has been a, a lot of fun. I know that our listeners are going to get a tremendous amount of value. Go buy Dave's book. We'll link to it in the show notes. Thanks again for having me. Dave was incredibly generous with us after a super long day on the media junket. So let's be sure to get out there and show him some impact entrepreneur love on Facebook and Twitter. How to win friends and influence people is one of the all-time most popular personal development books. And Dave acknowledged that and really wanted to pay homage to that book. The principles of that book ring true today. But Dave's book, The Art of People, really brings those core principles up to speed, up to today's date with a modern twist. We all want things, right? I mean, we're all vying for attention, but really what I learned in this episode is that sometimes we have to just shut up and listen to the other person because that might actually be the fastest road to getting to where we want to be. 
One of the key things that we can all take away and remember and act on right away is the most important question to ask when you're in any kind of situation or, or approaching any kind of client or relationship. And that question is, how can I help you? It seems so simple. And the truth is, it really is simple, but we're humans and we like to complicate things. Reminds me of a quote from Leonardo da Vinci, which is, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Another core principle of all of Dave's work is the importance of being authentic. I don't think it's a coincidence that many of my guests have talked about the importance of being authentic. It's not a buzzword. It's something that we really need to practice and be intentional about. And if you don't know if you're being your authentic self, ask somebody. Don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, is this who you really know me to be? That is something that is so critical and I think we can take away and act on right now. I know I took away a lot from this interview with Dave Kirpin. I hope you did too. If you liked this episode, please go to iTunes, download, rate, review, and subscribe. If you've never done that before, we include some instructions in the show notes, so check those out. Speaking of the show notes, we'll be sure to link to everything that we talked about in the book, including all of Dave's work, especially, most importantly, his newest book, The Art of People. Go ahead, buy it, and give him a review on Amazon. Until next time, my friends, go make an impact.